wonderful that the Lord still speaks to us today. And praise the Lord for that. Dismiss the young people to junior church. And uh, the rest of us will take our Bibles, turn to the book of Mark today. Mark chapter number 14. Mark chapter number 14. Jacob is now a year older. Jacob doesn't remember that. Give, take back all your presents, mom and dad. So you know he doesn't. He doesn't remember. He got. He had his birthday. So be sure and and uh, congratulate him on another year. How old are you, Jacob? You're fifty-five. Almost fifty-five. Yeah. Still, have, still don't. Ha you still don't have your driver's license, but that's that's okay. We're just gonna we're, we're praising the Lord for minor miracles. Amen. Mark chapter 14. Let's all stand today and, and read out of page, or excuse me, read out of page. If you have a King, uh, Thompson Chain Bible, it's a page 1072. But uh, if you look at Mark chapter 14, begin with verse number 3. We want to read down to verse number 9. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye, will, uh, ye may do, to the, uh, do them good, but me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforetime to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of, her, uh, of for a memorial of her. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you today for this portion of scripture that reminds us of our service and our living for you. Father, how wonderful it is to know Jesus as our Savior. The fact that he came and suffered and bled and died for us. He poured out his blood that we might have forgiveness of sin. We might have a home in heaven with you one day. But more than just having a home in heaven, Lord, we can have a relationship with you, dear Father. Lord, this is not a light thing. This is an important thing. And Father, I pray that in the next few minutes that we would consider what it means to love Jesus. Lord, to give him the first place in our life. Lord, I thank you today for the opportunity to be behind the pulpit once again to preach. Lord, I know that you have all things in your control. And Lord, I pray that right now that your spirit would use the words that are spoken to speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that people would remember and look to you. Lord, give me your servant a, an outpouring of your spirit that I might say your words today. Father, I thank you and I praise you. Now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. May be seated. The American industrialist Henry Ford was once asked to donate to a hospital for its construction. The billionaire pledged that he would give $5,000. The next day in the newspaper, the headline read, Henry Ford contributes 
$50,000 to the local hospital. Henry Ford was outraged. He got on the phone and he called the, he, uh, called the fundraiser and who, who had misunderstood him. And uh, he said, you know, you've got to correct this and get this straightened out. So the fundraiser replied that they would print a retraction in the paper the following day to read, Henry Ford reduces his donation by $45,000. Henry Ford thought, well, that's not good publicity. So he agreed to the $50,000 with one little caveat to it. Above the entrance of the hospital was to be carved the biblical principle or biblical inscription, I came among you and you took me in. A mother was trying to teach her daughter the importance of giving to Jesus. And she gave her a dollar and gave her 25 cents. And she looked at her little daughter and she said, Now, sweetheart, when it comes time for the offering, you give what you would like to give to Jesus and you can keep the rest. The preacher just before the time for the offering said, Now the Lord loveth a, a cheerful giver. He doesn't want somebody that gives grudgingly to God. The little girl looked at the dollar bill. And she looked at the 25 cents. She said, well, you know, if I give the dollar bill, I'll have a grudging heart, so I'm just going to give him the 25 cents. So she put the 25 cents in the offering plate. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, the things that we love the most, we don't mind giving our time, our talents, and our resources too. For example, in this beautiful place of Montana, we many love hunting and fishing, and, and we don't mind spending money to buy the best gun, the best scope, the best camping equipment, the best ammo possible. We don't mind. Money is no object in that area. We don't mind spending the time to check out our equipment to make sure everything works, to scout out the best places to hunt or fish, uh, time is no issue. We don't mind that. I remember my parents, when I was a boy, they, somebody had, had a boat for sale, and they said, you know what, this would be a great opportunity to spend time together as a family, and we'll, uh, we'll buy this boat, and we'll go out on, on Shasta Lake, beautiful lake. It's got all sorts of arms, and you can go out, and you can fish, and you can spend time on there. And uh, so I thought, you know, as a young boy, I was looking forward to going fishing and, you know, maybe even skiing behind the, uh, skiing behind, uh, the boat. You know, I tried that skiing thing. See, I have to have glasses on in order to, to, to see what I'm doing. They tried pulling me without my glasses on. I look like a beached whale just kind of popping across. That, that skiing thing wasn't for me. But uh, my mom and my dad, we went out and, and we said, well, you know, we've worked hard all week and it's a, you know, uh, it, we thought, well, we'll go out on Sunday and, you know, we can, we'll read our Bible beforehand and we'll get out there and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll worship God. We'll be out there. We were out there. We got our boat finally launched from the, from the uh, ramp. And my dad was not much of a mechanic, Brother Randy. Uh, in fact, we lived across the way when I was a little boy. We lived across the way from the guy who did all the mechanic work on our car. And one day, my dad was a carpenter. He could use a saw and he could use a hammer. And one day, the, the mechanic across the street, I saw this happen. 
uh, my dad came out with his saw and his hammer, and he was getting ready to get into the car, and, 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 uh, and, and he popped up the hood. He was just going to check the oil. And the mechanic ran across the street and said, don't touch that car. He thought he was going to start working on it with one of those hand saws and one of those hammers. And my dad would never do that. But uh, so we got this boat. We got out there, and boy, the, you know, the thing started right up, and it went just about three good football fields out, and all of a sudden, my dad says, I wonder what's mad, what's the problem. Maybe he just didn't get enough gas. So then he starts trying to pump the gas and start doing all this thing. We sat there for hours, waiting and waiting. Finally, somebody came by and had mercy on us and, and helped him to get the thing started. We sat there for hours just sitting. You say, well, what did you do? We brought the boat back up, put it, uh, got it out, took it home. It was in our barn. The barn burnt down with the boat in it. You say, what do you think the Lord's trying to tell you? Hmm, I wonder. Don't do it on my day. So a pastor, did they go out and buy another boat? Nope, they had enough wisdom not to do that. You know, you need to be listening to the Lord. You need to be listening to the Lord. God wants to speak. He wants to speak to all of us. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We don't, have, we don't worry about spending time. We don't worry about spending money. We don't worry about the things that we love to do. For ladies, ladies who love to go shopping, spending money, boy, you know what, those sales, they get our attention, don't they? Man, all of a sudden, half off. Well, they didn't tell you that they raised the price so that now it'll become the real price and you'll think that you got a half off price. And so, boy, they, people go to those different stores and they, they go in, they go to buy one item. You, you know what I'm talking about, ladies, or at least the guys would know. You know, you go in to buy one item and you get four. I see Dalen's head going like this. Dalen, you're already in trouble, brother. I mean, I, you know... Spending time, that's not a problem. You know, you don't mind standing in those long lines or trying on the same dress, you know, going, you know, going over that whole process. You know, we don't have a problem sacrificing for what we hold interesting and dear to our heart. How are we when it comes to spiritual matters? It seems like folks have a problem finding the time, using their talents and their res or their resources for the things of God. You know, if you were to ask them, do you, do you love the Lord? They would probably answer and respond in the affirmative. But you know, actions speak louder than our words. Jesus said in Luke 6.46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Oh, you're the, my master, but Jesus says, then why don't you do what I've told you to do? Someone has said you can measure the degree of one's love by the degree of their sacrifice. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 15.13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. No greater love can you have than what God had for you. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us. He demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, going in a direction away from him, Christ died for us. 
in our text in Mark 14, verses 3 through 9, we find a woman who loved the Lord and demonstrated it in a sacrificial way. However, others could not understand why she did what she did. The title of the message today is this, She Did What She Could. How does our life reflect our love for Jesus? Is he really precious to us? You know, every one of us can do something for Jesus. Every one of us, no matter who we are, no matter how much riches you have or don't have, the, the issue is how much do we love Jesus? And if the Lord doesn't get a hold of our heart, it will reflect in the way that we treat him and his work. I want you to see as we look at this portion of Scripture, she, as we look at this, this uh, woman, she gave to the Lord from what she had. She gave to the Lord from what she had. Look at verse number 3 of this portion of Scripture. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. Now the background of this is Jesus is just getting ready to go to the cross. And in just short few hours and time-wise, he's going to be going to the cross. We know that Jesus was at Bethany according to this portion of Scripture. Bethany was the town of his friends of Mary and Martha and Lazarus whom he raised from the dead. He was the home, in the home as is recorded here in Simon the leper and according to John's account of uh, it was Martha who was serving at the supper. In John chapter 12 verse 3 we find that it is Mary who brings this gift of spikenard and anoints the feet of Jesus and wipes his feet with her hairs. In this portion of scripture in Mark, we find that she anoints Jesus' head also. She pours this spikenard, this ointment, upon Jesus. You know, as we look at the life of Mary, Mary was a, was a person who loved Jesus. She loved Jesus. You know, she enjoyed listening to the voice of Jesus. Look with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10. Verse number 38, it says, Now it came to pass... As they went, that he entered into the certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. This was in Bethany, another time period. And she had a sister called Mary, and, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Here we see at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, that, in that place of Bethany, 
that they're having another meal. And Martha was so, uh, she wanted to serve the Lord. She wanted to, to please the Lord. And so Martha is out and she's preparing the food. And Jesus is in there with his disciples. And at the feet of Jesus is Mary. You say, well, Pastor, what's so significant about being at the feet? When you're at the feet of somebody, it's a, it's a point of submission to the one whom you're at the feet of. The Apostle Paul said that he uh, talked about the fact that he was at the feet of Gamaliel. He was a learner of Gamaliel. He was one who sat and listened and learned from somebody who was greater than he was in his thinking before he got saved. Gamaliel was one of the most learned men in, in his time period. Here, Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. She just wanted to hear the words of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse 39, and, he, and heard, Mary heard his word. You know, some Christians are so busy serving the Lord that they don't have time to stop and to listen to what Jesus has to say. Boy, they're running over here, and they're running over here, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, and they're doing this, and they say, well, you know what? I'm busy for the Lord. Well, what has the Lord said to you? How has the Lord spoken to you? The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. Every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what job you have in serving the Lord, no matter where you are in your Christian life, you need to spend time and listen to the Lord Jesus Christ speak. We're so busy. You know, if you're busy just serving and doing all those things and have never, never have time for Jesus, time for what we call devotions, time of private time, you and the Lord, be still and know that I'm God. Hey, listen to what the Lord has to say. If you're trying to serve others, there's going to come a time when you're going to be an empty well. You need to be filled with the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to hear his words every day to you. He needs to encourage you and wants to help you and wants to build you. But you have to decide to make the time for that. Here, Martha, boy, she was busy. If you looked at, say, well, wait a minute, look at Martha. She's working so hard. She's so intent. And Jesus comes and he sets the record straight. And he says to her in verse 41, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are careful. You are anxious you're troubled about many things. Well, we've got to make sure that the glasses are all filled with water. We've got to make sure that all the hors d'oeuvres are out there. We've got to make sure that the salt and pepper is out there. And we've got to make sure all this stuff, oh boy, this is all important. And that's the reason why, folks, when we talk about the fact that over in our kitchen in the fellowship time when we have an afternoon service and the preaching stops and all that stuff in there stops. You say, why is that, Pastor? It's very simple. Because as Jesus is pointing out here, all oh, those things, the food, the fine, all that type of stuff is important, but there's one thing that's needful, and that is to hear the voice of God. And you hear the voice of God through the preaching of his word. Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha, you're careful about many things, troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Martha hath chosen that good part. What was that? To sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his words. Can I tell you something? One thing is needful for you. One thing is important for you in this life. Can I tell you, it's not to make another buck. It's not to have pleasure and fun. 
is to spend time with Jesus. One thing is needful. Oh, my friend, can I tell you something? The devil will try to crowd your life so full of things and activities that you have no time. And you'll convince yourself by listening to that voice of Satan saying, hey, you know what? You've got this to do, and you've got that to do, and you've got this to do. And your life is so filled with all these things. You have no time for Jesus. The devil's fine with that. Because if you don't hear his voice, you won't know that there's areas that need to change in your life. You don't know the comfort that Jesus can bring. It's when you spend time with him that he can help you. He can settle your heart. He can strengthen you. He can teach you through his precious word. Do you love hearing the, the Lord Jesus Christ speak to you? Sometimes his words are comforting. Like the woman who was caught in adultery. Remember, they brought her and they wanted to have her stoned. And they said, oh, Jesus, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to deal with this? And Jesus just sat there and he wrote on the ground. He says, oh, neither do I. He says, uh, you who's without sin cast the first stone. And he just starts writing on the ground. You see, oh, Pastor, I know what they wrote on the ground. If, he, if God wanted us to know what he wrote on the ground, he would have told us. It's, it's wasteful to, to speculate. He could have written all sorts of things. Those words were what were piercing to his heart. That's why it's so important that the word of God is given. When you share the word of God with people, that's what pierces hearts. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's more important and more powerful than your word is. It pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. When Jesus made that statement, you who is without sin, cast the first stone, all of a sudden people start thinking about their own life. Well, uh, I better not cast the first stone because I've got this issue. When all these people, one by one, started leaving, and here she is, you know, Jesus looks up and says, where's your accuser? She said, well, they're all gone. You said, well, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Those are comforting words. Sometimes Jesus' words are convicting. Remember Simon? He tells the Lord, Lord, you know what? I'll never forsake you, though all these people, all these disciples over here, they may forsake you, but not me. Jesus says, well, let me just tell you, Simon, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. They take Jesus and they take him into the judgment hall and they're going through that time. And remember, here's down Peter down there at the fire. He's warming his hands down there. And the person comes up and says, hey, you're, you're one of Jesus' disciples. He says, I don't know who he is. Another person comes and says, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'm sure you're one. No, no. Then the third time, somebody comes up and says, your speech betrays you. You're a, one of those Galileans. You're, you're, you belong to Jesus. Jesus and he, then he curses. said, I never knew the man. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at him. Could you imagine the look of Jesus at that moment? I don't think it was a look of indignation. I think it was a look of, I told you, pity. Hey, Peter. You blew it, man. The Bible says that Peter turned around, he went out and wept bitterly. And Jesus comes to Peter a little bit later after the resurrection, and Jesus told him, he says, you know, you need to wait here in Galilee. 
Peter says, you know, I go a fishing. Well, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to have been doing. He was supposed to have been waiting. And Peter not only went himself, but he took ten of the other ones with him. They all went out fishing. Guess what happened? They caught nothing all night. Well, man, they were fishermen. They knew how to do this. You know, when you, you're a good fisherman, you go and you try to find somebody who's catching some fish. I remember who it was. Somebody showed me a fish the other day that they, they, they uh, uh, oh, yeah, I remember who it was. It was our real estate person. They went over here um, someplace, and, and I think it was over there by uh, other part of, uh, eastern part of uh, Montana a little bit, and they caught one of these trouts, Brother Randy. It was like this. It was a huge trout. It was a good-looking trout. But these fishermen fished all night, caught nothing. Jesus, who was on the seashore, the risen Christ, says, hey, guys, you caught anything yet? You know what? Nothing kind of ticks people off more than when you're a fisherman and you know how to fish and you've got the right stuff and you catch nothing. For somebody to ask, hey, how's the fishing? I don't care. I caught nothing. Jesus then says, hey, throw the net on the other side. What difference does it matter what side of the boat you throw the net on? It goes into the water. The fish, you know, either they're there or they're not there. Can I tell you something? When Jesus says throw the net on the other side, you better do what Jesus said. Because, see, Jesus did that same thing with Peter way back when, when they started. And they had so many fish that it started to break the net. And so they threw the net on the other side, just like Jesus said. And all of a sudden, now the fish found that net. And they started, they started trying to draw it up, and they called the other ones to bring and to help them. And they, they, they were, the nets were breaking, and John the apostle said, hmm, that's the Lord. Peter says, enough of this stuff. And he jumped in and went swimming to Jesus. And Jesus already had, it's interesting, he already had the fire going, already had fish on it. Didn't need his fish. He says, hey, bring some of yours, though. You know, Jesus doesn't need us, but we need him. We need him. And as they're sitting there and they've had their meal and the, everything, and Jesus asks Peter, he says, Peter, let me ask you a question. Lovest thou me more than these? These disciples? Some Bible scholars think, well, he's talking about the nets and the fishing. It could have been, but he had referred to earlier about the other disciples. He said he loved Jesus more than the other disciples. Hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, you know, Jesus, I like you like a brother. His pride had gotten into the way the first time. Now he couldn't even feel like making that statement. He used a different word in the Greek. I just like you like a brother. Here's the difference between liking and loving. The world of difference. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, his words were convicting. He asked him again, says, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? You know, when you ask one time, that should be enough, right? Jesus asked him that question, same question again. And Jesus used the word agape, and Peter uses the word phileo. Lord, you, Peter, do you love me to the point of sacrifice, love of giving me the best of what you have? Peter says, you know I like you like a brother. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Jesus comes back and asks the third time. Boy, I tell you what, talk about convicting words. 
Jesus changes his word now because he knows that Peter's not even going to step out on that one. He says, do you even like me? Do you like me at all? He uses the same word that Peter does. Do you like me like a brother? Peter says, Lord, you know I like you. I've told you that three times. See, he wasn't where he needed to be. Here's where he was. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You know, in that portion of Scripture, it's wonderful to know that, you know what, God can still use somebody that's messed up. You say, Pastor, I've just blown my testimony. I've just, it's, I used to have a testimony for God, but I went, a, went away. I'm, but God could never use me again. I'm here today to tell you there is a God who can use you. He can cleanse you and use you again if you're willing to humble yourself. God's words were convicting to Simon. Sometimes God's words are, are correcting. I think of doubting Thomas. Remember, Thomas was not where he was supposed to be. The Lord came to them after the resurrection, and the disciples were there all except Thomas. And Jesus presented himself as the resurrected Christ. They had seen the nail prints. They had, they, they had talked with the Lord. He, he had eaten food with them and, 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 and experienced that. And, and Thomas was not where he was supposed to have been. And because of that, he missed out on the blessing. And can I tell you, when you're not where you're supposed to be, you'll miss out on the blessing. When you're not in the house of God, you will miss out on the blessing. I'm sure that Thomas had all sorts of excuses and reasons why he wasn't there. The Bible says eight days later he came and Jesus came and the door is being closed and Jesus comes in and says, okay, Thomas, you said you wouldn't believe unless you could take your finger and thrust it in the nail prints and take your hand and thrust it in my side. Come, come and do that. Can you imagine how cold the heart was of Thomas to make a statement like that? But you know what? When we are in... When we are not doing what God wants us to do, our heart very quickly grows cold. Cold to the things of God. And, Jesus, and when he, Jesus said that to him, hey, take your finger and thrust it into the nail prints and take your hand and thrust it in my side. He says, my Lord and my God. He says, be not faithless, but believing. The words are convicting. You know, a few of the ways that God speaks to us today is through his word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God says, you know what? I speak today through my word. God speaks through the preaching of his word. Romans 10, 17, there... Uh, um, Romans 10, 17, let's go over there to that portion. Romans 10, verse 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the what? Word of God. God uses the foolishness of preaching to save the lost. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. There's something about the preaching of the Word of God that convicts and speaks and challenges the heart of, of God. God, still, uh, God speaks in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 13, he talks about the fact that when the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all truth. Some of you as a, a child of God, you say, well, pastor, you know what? I was going down here and, and it was like God spoke to me. I needed to witness to this person. 
Hey, the Spirit of God, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. And if you are tender to the Lord and you're listening to His voice, you can hear Him speak. That's what you need to do. That's what you don't need to do. I remember doing discipleship with a young couple, and we were just going through the basic uh, uh, Bible study that we have called uh, deals with 12 weeks of, of discipleship. And we were just talking one day, and, and uh, I didn't bring it up. They said, well, you know what, Pastor Walker, I've got to share something with you. I said, what's that? They said, well, you know, I'm changing my music. And we hadn't even talked about music. It wasn't even in the lesson. And I said, well, tell me what's going on. He says, well, that old music, that music that I used to listen to in the world, that, that worldly music, God's been telling me that's not the right type of music. It's like a voice is inside of me saying, that's wrong. Don't listen to that any longer. And so we started changing our music and changing those things out. I said, you know what? That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you draw nigh to God, you draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. Mary was one who enjoyed hearing what Jesus had to say. Mary was one who gave to Jesus. Go back to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 and verse 3. And being in, the, in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman, that's Mary, a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, a spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. Someone has said you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can, cannot love without giving. Mary gave to the Lord from that which she had. The Lord is, was not as concerned about the amount as the degree of the sacrifice. You know the widow of Zarephath? The widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17 was going through a hard time just like the rest of the people. There was a famine in the land and she had a son. And God had directed Elijah to go to that house and that woman was going to take care of him there. And as he came into the, the city, there she, uh, Elijah met her, and he said, uh, uh, you know, she was, she was on her way, and, and he said, uh, would you please uh, give me a little water to drink? And so she goes, water, it hadn't rained. Water was not just copiously coming out of the, 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 the ground. They had to search and go for water. But she went to go get him water. He said, oh, and by the way, would you make a little cake for me first she said sir don't you understand um, I only have a handful of meal and a little bit of oil and I'm going to make a cake for myself and my son and then all hope is gone and we're going to die he says well I understand but please make a cake for me first you've got to be kidding do something for you first? Wait a minute. Hey, look at me. See, the world says, look at me first. Take care of my needs. See, God was going to provide for her when she put him first. Because that servant was the servant of God. 
And when she was doing it, remember what Jesus said, when you do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. She was, he was saying, okay, you have a choice. And Elijah said, if you will take care of me first, then God will take care of you through the balance of this time. She went, well, that's a test of faith. She went and made the little cake and brought it to him, and they, there was a cake enough for him. Guess what? She went back to get that meal for the cake for her and her son. Guess what? There was enough cake for them, and there was enough oil for both of them, for all of them. The next morning when she went to that barrel, because, I mean, she scraped it dry, all of a sudden, guess what? In that barrel was a handful of meal and enough oil for the day. He said, well, Pastor, why don't you just fill it up? Because you know what? When we have abundance and prosperity, we forget the Lord. But when we have enough to take care of this day, give us this day our what? Daily bread. Then we stay close to the Father. We say we love Jesus. We stay close to him. And we got all sorts of, well, we've got this all under control. We, we can handle life without the Lord. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. There's a lot of Christians that have been handling their life by themselves without the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary loved the Lord Jesus. I think of the little boy in Mark chapter 14, verses 17, when Jesus had been preaching to the people and there was a crowd of people. The Bible says 5,000 men. Been preaching and those people look like they're pretty hungry and Jesus tells the disciples, he said, go, go give them something to eat. And they said, well, all we've got is a boy with, a, a lad with five loaves and two fishes. That's not very much. I don't think, you know, he had big fish like this. I think when, probably when mama packed the lunch in the morning, he probably had some little fish. Little fish. Five loaves and two fishes. Well, what is that to feed 5,000 people? He says, well, just make them sit down and we'll take care of all this. He gave what he had. And out of that, he was able to feed 5,000. I think of the little widow at the treasury as Jesus was watching the people that were giving. He had a place where the money would be given and people were given money. And, and here comes this little widow woman. And she puts in two little mites. It says it's, it's a farthing. Someone said it's like a fourth of a cent. That's about what your penny's worth right now, a fourth of a cent. They devaluated our dollars so much by printing. You say, well, pastor, we can just print more money. You know, it's just go ahead and print the money. Well, every time they print the money when there's nothing to back it, it devaluates the dollar. Jesus, as he's looking at this little widow, in verse 43 of Mark chapter 12, he says, And he called unto him his disciples and said unto him, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast into their abundance, but she, her want, did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You know, why did she do that? Did the Lord demand that from her? No. The Lord said the tithe, the tenth, one-tenth belonged to the Lord. Jesus 
saw that she gave her all to the Lord. Why would she do something like that? Because she loved the Lord. Someone would say, great, I don't have to give much to the Lord. Then if she was, if God was satisfied with her giving a, you know, just a, a fourth of a cent, then I don't have to give much to the Lord. Uh, consider what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. Turn over there with me to Luke chapter 12. Here's another woman who comes to Jesus. It's not the same Mary that's mentioned that we are looking at, but in Luke chapter 12 and verse 41, Jesus is in a, another person's house in Luke chapter 12. Um, let's see here. Oh, sorry about that. Wrong chapter. Um, I know that you never had this problem, but I do sometimes. I can tell you about the story where it's at, uh, was dealing with. Jesus is talking um, about uh, Simon and uh, about, uh, and this woman comes in and she has this uh, oil and she, she puts it on the feet of Jesus and, and Simon says, well, you know what? If Jesus knew who this woman was, he would know that she's a sinner and would have nothing to do with her. He says, well, let me tell you a story. There was a man who, who owed a lot of money, and there was a one who owed a little bit of money, and the master, the Lord, forgave them both. He says, well, now who do you think loves the master the most? And Simon said, well, that's easy, the one who for, was forgiven most. And he says, well, you know, Simon, when I came to your house, you didn't give any water for my feet to anoint my, you know, to take care of my feet. This woman has, you know, washed my feet, taken care of my feet. You know, you didn't give me a kiss, and she is, has not ceased to kiss the, my feet since I came in. To whom much is given, much shall be required. You know what? When you've been forgiven much, there's much love. You know, sometimes we say, well, I don't need Jesus too much, just a little bit. But you know, there's some people that have realized how great a sinner they are and how much Jesus has done for them. Folks, I don't know about you, but I know that God is a great God. And I am so unworthy of his love. Mary understood that. She was willing to give of what she had. A preacher paid a visit to a farmer and, and asked, if, if you had $200, would you give $100 to the Lord? And the farmer said, absolutely. The preacher said, well, if you had two cows, would you give one of those cows to the Lord? He said, absolutely. He said, now, if you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord? Now, the farmer said, now, wait a minute, preacher. That's not fair. You know I have two pigs. See, she gave, Mary gave of what she had. What have you given to the Lord lately to show your love for him? Your time, your talent, your resources? Folks, see, if God doesn't get a hold of our heart, everything else in our Christian life means nothing. We're just going through the motions. Mary, she gave what she had. 
I want you to know, second of all, she gave that which was precious to the Lord. Go back to Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at me, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. Notice, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. Very precious. Mary didn't give Jesus her worst. She gave him her very best. Mary's love for Jesus gave him the, the best that she had to offer. When we consider all that Jesus has done for us, shouldn't we give him our very best? When we're doing, our, doing a job for Jesus, shouldn't we do our best? Well, you know what? This is good enough. When we come to worship, and we, do we dress in our best attire? You know, we wouldn't visit a person of importance in our torn and dirty clothes then why do we come to the house of God to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our shorts and tank tops and our clothes that are dirty and a mess? Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to church. Can I take you to a portion of Scripture just to jog your mind a moment? Go with me to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, just before the book of Matthew, and consider what God says here in Malachi. In the book of Malachi, it's an interesting book because we find a couple of phrases repeated over and over again. Ye say, that's what the people were saying. And then there's another phrase that says, thus saith the Lord. The people were saying one thing. Their heart was cold toward God. Their attitude was cold toward God. On the other hand, Here's what God says in relation to it. Here in Malachi chapter 1, verse number 6, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priest that despise my name. Can you imagine the priest despise the name of the Lord? And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Wherein have we despised you, God? Notice he's going to tell you. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. See, they were to offer unleavened bread. Leaven was a picture of sin. They were to offer unleavened bread. They were to change and put that unleavened bread on the altar. The, the, uh, the altar of shoe bread. They would change that out every, every week. Well, guess what they did? They started offering bread that had leaven in it. Well, it doesn't matter. It's what I had in the house. It's what I had made up. God, you should accept that. God says, let me just tell you something. That's polluted bread. It's polluting the picture of my son, Jesus Christ. You're polluting him. He was a, he was a lamb without spot and without blemish. He had no sin. You're offering polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say the table of the Lord's contemptible. I don't have to do that. I don't have to come God's way. I don't have to listen to what God says. I can live my own life. And God, you better accept it. God says, well, let me just tell you something. Where's my honor? 
And if he offered the blind for the sacrifice, remember supposed they were supposed to offer a lamb without blemish and without spot, a picture of Jesus. What were they doing? Well, let's see. We're supposed to take sacrifice to God's house and offer something to God. Hey, you know that lamb right there? That lamb's got a broken leg. That's okay. We'll offer that to God. That's good enough. He wants some type of sacrifice. We're going to give him a sacrifice. Well, the sacrifice was to picture his son. Lamb without blemish and without spot. So they just picked whatever they wanted to give. And if ye offer the lame and the sick, is, is it not evil? Can I tell you, what is God saying right here? When you have the best to offer God and you don't offer your best to him, can I tell you something, what he's saying here to these people? He says, are you not doing that which is evil? Offer it now to thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? saith the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. I don't like it. He said also, Behold, what a weariness is it. Oh, I'm tired of preachers preaching the same old thing. I'm tired of that. You know, that's exactly what was being done. They'd lost their first love. And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn and lame and, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Folks, can I tell you something? This is a principle for us to live by today. That's why when we come to the house of God, you may not have fancy clothing, but you ought to wear the best you've got to come to the house of God. Say, Pastor, I don't agree with you. Well, you deal with God on this issue. I'm just telling you, folks, we have gotten lax and slack, and when we do the things of God, whatever we want to give to God, God, you accept it because it's me. I'm giving it to you. Well, he didn't accept it when Cain tried to do that. He didn't accept it when the, the uh, people here in Israel were trying to do it in Malachi's day. And I'm just telling you right now, God's not going to accept yours either. He's looking for the best. What are you giving to God? What will you give to the Lord? The leftover, leftovers of your time? When there's nothing better to do? Hey, then I'll serve the Lord. The leftovers of your money? When you've purchased all that you want for yourself and, and, and all the things that you could ever wish for or hope for, and if there's a leftover, I'll give God a tip. You better be careful. God might just switch that whole thing around on you and let you live on the tip. Mary showed her love for the Lord Jesus Christ and the quality of the gift. It was precious. It was something. It was the best that she had. 
want you to see the third thing. Mary's sacrifice for Jesus. Her sacrifice for Jesus was not understood by others. Go back there very quickly and we're done. Back in chapter 14, verse number 4, it says, And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence a denarii. A denarii was a one day's wage. And have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. He said, well, who was all that that started all that up? Well, in John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, it was Judas Iscariot. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. Remember him? It's interesting to, to, to note, it says, Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Jesus, or Judas Iscariot was stealing out of the bag that people were giving to give to Jesus. He didn't care about the poor. And you know what he did? He incited the other disciples to get mad at this woman who was doing something on Jesus. Judas Iscariot had a spiritual talk. Well, it sounds spiritual. Oh, you could have given it to the poor. It sounds spiritual. But you know what? Judas Iscariot did not have a spiritual walk. His life did not back up what his word said. Those who are carnal, living after their own flesh desires, can't understand how or why folk who love Jesus are willing to sacrifice as they do for his sake. They say, you know what? You ought not to work so hard when you're working for Jesus. You ought not to work so hard. Just take it easy. You know why? Because when you work hard, it's, it shouts out to them that they aren't working hard. You ought not to give so much. You know, I have my own life to live. I've heard all of these things over the years. I've got my own life to live. I've got my own things to do. Consider the words of the song. It's called, I Wish I'd Given Him More. By and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I had given him more, more, so much more, more of my love than I've, than I've ever gave before. By and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I had given him more. Second verse, by and by, when he holds out his hands, welcoming hands, nail-riven hands, by and by, when he holds out his hands, I'll wish I had given him more, more, so much more, more of my love than I ever gave before. By and by, when he holds out his hands, I'll wish I had given him more. In the light of that, in the light of that heavenly place, light from his face, beautiful face, in the light of 
that heavenly place. I'll wish I had given him more, more, so much more. Treasures unbounded for him I adore. By and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I had given him more. You know, Jesus set the record straight to these disciples. In verse 6 through 9, Jesus said, Let her alone. She hath wrought on me a good work. She's done something good for me. Verse 8, she did what she could. And you know what? She's going to be remembered wherever the gospel goes out. What she did for me will be remembered. Folks, let me ask you today, how much do you love the Lord Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus with all my heart. Really? That'll be backed up by how you live your life and what you sacrifice and give to him of your time, your talent, and your resources. If you were to look at your life and say, well, I give him this much, then that's how much you really love him. Don't lie to yourself. He knows. He wants you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you know what? Nobody can decide that for you but you. When you think about Jesus, consider all that he's done for you. Does your life back up your talk? What have you done for Jesus lately that shows him how much you love him? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this example of this widow or this woman who came and showed her love for you and the other examples that we've seen in thy word. Lord, I pray today that you would help us, Lord, to love you with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. We want to love Jesus, our Savior. He's our wonderful Savior. God, I pray that you would guide us now. Lord, for some of us here today who may not know Jesus, I pray that that we would let Jesus come into our life. If you don't know Jesus today as your Savior, I pray that you'd be saved today. How many of you know without a doubt that you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, you've asked Jesus to be your Savior? Would you slip your hand up for just a moment? Yes, amen. Say, Pastor, I couldn't raise my hand right now, but I'd like to know. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. Let me encourage you to come and, and to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. God loves you, my friend, and God wants you to be saved today. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. He sent his son to die on a cross to pay the price for your sin. He was buried and rose again to give you life. Won't you accept him as your Savior today? Dear Christian, ask yourself the question, how much do I really love the Lord? Does my life reflect it? Dear Father, we pray right now that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us.